Welcome back to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. Hey guys, it's Judy. Hey guys, it's Sana. And it's January. It's 2019. Whoa, new year. Exciting. Yay, we made it. We did it. We've got a new podcast. We've got an amazing year. Women of Marvel coming up. Yeah, we're super excited. And we just came off of a fantastic interview with the Saska sisters, a.k.a. the Twisted Twins. Um, That's their production studio's name. They're filmmakers, screenwriters, and now comic book writers. Ooh, they're joining the Marvel family. Yes writing Black Widow for us, which we're very, very excited about. And just it's, it was just a really lovely conversation, right, Judy? I mean, they started out by first, it's an immediate response, hug. Every moment they were like, they thanked us, they hugged us. They said goodbye, they hugged us. It was just this warm experience of like two amazing, fierce women in production who also write very creepy horror stuff. So it's like really hard to like, they're so nice, but the stuff that they write. Yeah, it's really confusing because they're like the nicest people as they're talking about like writing stories about chopping people's heads off. And also, I have to say, I don't like scary movies. And they talked so brilliantly about the art of making a scary film or horror film. And I really got into it. I was like, I actually think I want to. There's just so many layers to it. Like, it's not just like, who are you going to kill? And, you know, how violent is it going to get? There are so many different kinds of layers. There's a lot of different themes and messages woven into that kind of storytelling. And by the end of it, I was like, I think I might be ready to start watching <laughs> scary films. You might be? Yeah. They they said that they would invite us to the screening of their upcoming film, Rabid, which is a remake of David Cronenberg's classic film. And so I, I, I was like, maybe we'll go to that. And then... Like, I'll bring blankets. Anyway, super fantastic conversation. I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. And then hopefully you'll be very excited to pick up Black Widow, which comes out when, Judy? January 16th. Yes, January 16th. So let's listen to The Twisted Twins. Jen and Sylvia. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> we just said your names. Ladies. This yes. is so cool. I know. I mean, for those at home who, who maybe um, aren't aware of you, can you talk a little bit about who are you? Oh, what do you do? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're the Twisted Twins, the Saska sisters. Uh, we're failed actresses. We failed forward. Uh, we started acting when we were little, and we were one year younger than the Olsen twins. Yeah, because we're twins, they're like, hey, the Olsen twins are popular. You guys should do that. Um, that isn't how it works, we found out. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, we were background artists in many, many films. and you know, Fantastic Four. Yep. Oh. I remember jumping up and down, screaming for Johnny Storm. Yeah, exactly. But but yeah, then as we started to get older, we hit into that awkward thing of twin roles becoming more sexist. And before we were pre-sexual human beings, uh, it became very sexual. And it was never sexually empowered. It was like slutty alien, horror clone. And I was like, even the clone can't be like sexually empowered. Like it can never be a strong role. So then we decided to make our own film. We went into a, a film school because at that time we weren't going to be writer, directors, producers. We we're like, we're going to be stunt girls. So <laughs> I'll be in a bikini, but you can set me on fire. So at least I Respect. can be proud of myself. <laughs> like we have a, we have great parents, but we're, they're also strict European parents. I had a 4.8 GPA. So they look at that and then they look at your resume. Slutty this, slutty that. No, not my little princess. So, <laughs> you know, we had to clean it up. And when we were there, 
it was such a horrible film school, like unbelievable. And it was so disappointing. And it was a great way to wa- waste five figures that you already didn't have. Don't go to film school, kids. But, but maybe you will after this, because there was a list of everything that was too inappropriate. And our final project was $200, and they took it away from us. And Jen and I were like, no, we're going to do something on our own. And Grindhouse was in the theaters at that time. And it had all those like faux trailers. And Jen turns to me, and she goes, dead hooker in a trunk. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you know what? You know that list? We're going to take everything and put it in our fake trailer. It's called Dead Hooker in a Trunk. And they didn't have bestiality or all this other stuff. And we're Necrophilia. Like, and we're going to put They're all that now. in there as a, <laughs> how how dare you? And we're going to make a statement. So we were like, we made our own like fake trailer. Can we play at graduation just last? And they're like, sure, girls. Good for you. And we're like, we directed and acted in it. We did the stunts. They're like, good for you. So sight unseen, they played it. Half the audience, <laughs> half the audience got up in a rage, wow. and the other half were laughing so loud you couldn't even hear. It. And they demanded they played it twice because they're like, "We got to see that." It was incredible, and it was a joke trailer. But they were like, "When's the feature?" So we did what you can always do in your career if you can pull it off. We lied. Yes, and then yeah. we pulled it off, which He's was great. Success, yeah. Right? Yeah, we absolutely <laughs> never say no because you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Google it. So we maxed our credit cards, ran from the cops. I mean, ran from the police. We're like, do you have a license? We're like, no, we're film school students. We ran from Canadian cops. Oh, my God. I've I've definitely played that game. (laughs) (laughs) Should you be here? I don't know. I know I shouldn't be here. (laughs) You just act. You're just like, I mean, I don't know. What's going on? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm confused. (laughs) My teacher said it was okay. Do you want to call him? That was. I mean, you're also Canadian, so just apologize. (laughs) I did. We even had a part where we were uh, burying a body in in the middle of a national park, and the rangers came over, and we're like, "Uh uh-oh, and we couldn't get to the car to run fast enough and he started moving people away he's like don't get in their shot because he didn't even check for paperwork he just assumed we were supposed to be there <gasps> 2500 canadian dollars we made that movie wow that's, amazing. that's yeah. amazing if i knew what i knew now i would understand why so many people laughed in her faces when we said <laughs> we were gonna make it. <laughs> and then after that because dead hooker in a trunk is a grindhouse film and it's just so crazy everyone was like well, that's it. You girls can never make anything else. And also, nobody would ever want to see that again. That's how a woman's career always is. Oh, yeah. you succeeded here. Well, you can't do this. Well, you succeeded here. You can't do this. So we made something that, looking back at it, was super personal. It's a movie called American Mary, which is about a female surgeon trying to get into a male-dominated workplace. And she ends up going into body modification. And she finds the people that look like they should be trusted aren't trustworthy. And the freaks are more relatable. And it's a it's a beautiful, very sad story. And... Uh, Actually, we were trying to sell American Mary for two and a half years. We were pitching it, and I remember it was our birthday, and we've never had money. We were always poor, poor, poor. And my dad comes in, he's like, we're going to, we just pay, he just paid off the house, and he goes, we're going to remortgage the house, and we're going to put the first money in for your movie. And I was like, what? And it's we share a birthday with my mom, and he didn't exactly tell her. She came <laughs> out, and he's like, we're remortgaging the house. And she's like, what? <laughs> okay, well, it's for the girls, of course. Oh, that's yeah. so sweet. They're the best. They're yeah. the so supportive parents. Yeah. I can't thank them enough. They're even in the movie. My dad cuts off our arms in that, and my mom saves the bird. Luckily, the movie went well, and even though there was, like, weird problems with the company after that, we worked hard enough so that we were able to reimburse my parents what they put into that so that's fantastic that's amazing yeah. way more than $2,500 so, <laughs> so they like finally understood what it was that you guys were doing at that point where they just like alright just here's some money go away <gasps> our parents are amazing and my yeah. dad is super Catholic and we're Catholic also which surprises many people I'm not sure. judgy Catholic I'm I'm the Jesus that says hey love everybody and that's the only rule because judgment is kind of the other guy's thing Yeah, yeah it's God's <laughs> job <laughs> but yeah, my dad um, and my mom, they never 
Uh, well, after they saw Dead Hooker in a Trunk, they did say, are you going to show this to My anybody? My mom said, please don't show that to anybody. And They'll I think like, we <laughs> raised you wrong. They'll think you were weird, that you had <laughs> bad parents. We get you, but other people might not understand. Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so is it true that you guys kind of fell in love with horror because your mom relented? To letting you watch a horror film? Absolutely. My mom always had the Stephen King collection, and she was watching Alien and everything. And I didn't think it was scary. I think fear is really a taut emotion from parent to child and other people to young people. My mom was never afraid of anything. and She She was so empowering, She laughed watching horror movies. Like, even now, if something really, really, really horrible happens in a horror movie... I'll be the only person who laughs in the theater because laughter isn't what you do when you're uncomfortable, but we kind of laugh when we're happy also. But I just, if something terrible happens to a child, a woman, someone's favorite character, I'm like, ha! Oh my God. <laughs> it's to release the tension. That's what uh, Hitchcock yeah. said that uh, comedy and horror are Siamese twins connected at a nervous laugh. I also yeah. laugh if the shot is so perfect, like if the blood spray, like the prop and the prosthetic and everything works because I know how challenging it is and I'm always like... Bravo. Bravo. I always laugh at my reaction to horror because <laughs> my reaction is so insane. So it, I've, I, oh, you're a people. My, I once uh. smacked my friend in the face in the movie in high school, and she was like, "You're never sitting next to me again." <laughs> well, well, you ladies have to come to Rabid when we have our screenings. Oh, it's yes. uh, going to be our first big wide theatrical, and it's it's a it's a woman horror movie about being in a woman's body, like, and then something Cronenbergian happens, and it gets way worse, much worse. Okay. Well, I will. I have to admit something. I am so afraid of horror films. Oh! <laughs> I am. I have watched I them, love you and I, I am so like also because I think I started watching it with like the Nightmare on Elm Street films yeah. when I was very young. I, oh, yeah. I, oh, mostly because people told me I couldn't watch it, and then like Friday Thirteenth and all that stuff because I have older brothers, yeah. so yeah. they would be watching all that stuff. Oh, older but, brothers ruin horror movies. Oh my god! Because afterwards they would go mess with me and like Chucky. <laughs> My God, like I couldn't, I had to take all the dolls out of my room for months. And I loved dolls when I was little, but I still, I don't know. It was, it was a very confusing time. So for me, like I'm so fascinated. It's a very confusing time. But when you do watch a horror film and you get through it, there is like this weird sense of like, I don't know. It's a cathartic. In yes. Some ways because you're like all this crazy things have happened and it's like the extremes of the human experience from a very visceral point of view. Yeah. And you just sort of like, oh, I survived it and I'm through it and it was cool and it kind of explored so many different things yeah. and also thematically actually a lot of horror films do that. What is it about horror that you're so drawn to particularly let's be honest not many women work in this genre you guys are like the sweetest kindest people (laughs) for for those at home they they walked up to us and they hugged us with the biggest hug (laughs) ever it was amazing you'll never think okay these women like to cut people up and how and how how. it's so therapeutic you know I love storytelling and that's why I feel that I love video games and comic books and movies and wrestling, which is like a beast all of its own. I just think that some messages are really important to get across. And when you're making a dramatic film, you go in knowing that there's a message. You yeah. go in knowing that, okay, don't be mean to this group of people, you know, and it, it doesn't really come across. It's, it's heavy-handed, it's baiting, and it's trying to feed someone dialogue without them understanding it. With a film, they say one great film watching it is like living a year of life experience, yeah. and it creates that beautiful empathy for you. 
for me, horror has always been a place where you can face something that you won't ever want to face in real life and overcome it so that it's something safer for you. I feel that if someone came in and started stabbing us, I would not ruin the equipment, hopefully, but I would instantly be thinking, okay, what would Laurie Strode do? What would Sigourney Weaver do? I'm going to take this person out. And it's also, usually the final girl starts as a weaker character Mm -hmm. and then evolves and gets stronger. There's something so empowering about that, especially when it's done in a beautiful, honest way. Like Sigourney Weaver and Alien, I remember watching that as a little girl and it got to the last scene with Jones and the alien and I wanted to leave. I was like, Mom, I can't watch this. And my mom doesn't even remember saying this, but she said, don't worry, Ripley always wins. And that just like, this woman always wins. And I just went through the list of all the things that are in space, like aliens, monsters, guns, awful people. I'm like, she wins. It's cool. That empowered me forever in my writing. So horror, I just, when someone says I can't do horror movies, like you now I have to convert. No, you're (laughs) fine. You're out sitting next to both of you at the screening. holding your hands. I'm holding all the rocks (laughs) on the table. I, I just, I make a lot of noise. I scream a lot. Oh, I love that. I love that because I feel like it doesn't affect me, you know, because yeah. I've seen so many things that I need to see somebody else at. And it means you're in touch with your emotions. It makes me sad when someone's in a theater and they don't react. I'm the person who uh, at the back of the theater, if there's a laughing moment and we're watching a comedy and it's a silent audience, I'll go, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> she does. She tries to help. She's like, it's okay. We can make noise. Laugh we're track. outside. It track. always works, though, because people are like, oh, this is a funny. Oh, we can we can, we can emote. We can mm. emote. And then you say, because we're so happy and everything, everything horrible that's happened to us in our life, I deal with it through my art and then it's gone. I'm not carrying with it anymore. And I think that's why some of the movies are so hard to watch because you're like, oh, Oh, my God. I'm like, yeah, but just watch it once a year, maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah. American Mary is an analogy for adventures in the film industry. And yeah. it's a lot about that casting couch, rapey mentality where even if you work to a certain point and you're like, OK, I look at my resume. I look at my credentials. I deserve to be in this group. Yeah. There are still men that look at you and be like, if you're a female and I find you sexually attractive, you're never anything beyond that. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. I want to have sex with you, you're nothing else. Mm-hmm. Nothing you can ever accomplish will matter. Yeah. And there's a real message for uh, justice for sexual assault survivors mm-hmm. in the film because most of the time you don't get your justice. And in this film, what our killer does to that man, you know, people are always like, what's the difference between a woman and a man killer? I'm like, well, a guy killer straightforward. He's just going to go stab you. A woman says she's fine. You don't even know, man. You don't even know. (laughs) And you don't even see this guy. She just talks to him right before what she's going to do to him. And then a lot of people, that's the first walkout in the movie. Usually they're like, I can't handle this. I can't handle what she's going to do to it. And then you get to see what she did. And it is such a gut punch. But so many people come over to me and they're like, I wish I could have done that. I wish Mm. I could have. And they watch it because now they get their justice because there it is on screen. You get to kind of almost experience. And I think that's what's so beautiful about the arts because it's so relatable. All of us have hurts. All of us can watch stuff and be like, oh, cool. Now I can be strong again. Now I know how to get back up. Yeah, and horror movies are where we're having a lot of those uncomfortable discussions where we do need to talk about pedophilia and rape and Mm. sexual abuse and bullying and emotional abuse and people power tripping and what you do when you're in a position where it's your boss that is acting like this. And what do you do? Because him and his buddies are all like, well, that's just you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's incredible you're actually, you know, making a statement particularly about women, but within this particular field. Because I think we're aligned in a lot of ways because comics has been traditionally male-dominated. And I would say 
the horror genre also is. Oh, yeah. What was it when you guys first started out? How was it when you first started out? How was it different? What were those big challenges? Because, I mean, yeah. people, it seems like everyone was saying no to you. And I'm sure yeah. they were also saying no to you because they're like, who are these? Yeah. Quote unquote chicks yeah. that are trying to do well, our I'm game. I'm also in, right? in the production world, just not even horror. I mean, there are not enough women that work no. uh, on set, in crew. I mean, yeah. that's a huge topic too of me <sighs> being a woman just trying to make a film. Like, Oh, it's such a challenge. And there is obviously disagreement that's mm-hmm. happening on a global scale right now. And there is a problem that not everyone wants to recognize. And um, the thing is, it was, oh, no one's going to say this. It was a party atmosphere. Yeah. And the women were party favors and they were treated like that and maybe Harvey Weinstein that was gross but he would be giving you to his actor friends CAA the agencies were acting as pimps making sure that these women would be going to these meetings everybody knew the thing is as long as the people with money have the power they never do anything to change it the interesting thing right now with the Me Too and Time's Up movement is we're not shutting up about it. And they're like, let's move on. You've worn your pin. We wore black that one time. Yeah. No, it's up. We are not changing that. And the art right now, it's electric. It's so amazing. On Rabid, we had more women on our crew than men. That had never happened female before. Female DP, both operators were female. I know, didn't you guys post a photo of all yes. you guys on set? Oh, I, I was like, yes! There were people who had worked for like 30 years and they're like, I've never had this many women. I've never had a woman director. And especially with Laura, our star, and we have put her in such vulnerable positions. And it's nice to be a woman and know what it's like. Like, I've been an actress. I've been ha- had roles where they're like, okay, you're wearing this. And I'm like, oh, floss, cool. Yeah, okay, yeah. is there anybody here to protect me? No one? Okay. I have a line for my actresses. Yeah. My line is they don't do anything that I wouldn't physically do myself and I know that I have friends who love taking their clothes off and are empowered by being nude and then I have friends that have been child actors and they've been pressured their entire careers and I deal with them very differently but I'll always say if I need nudity it's going to be a guy taking his clothes off because we need to level the playing field (laughs) so was that a choice like having all of those like women on set did you guys go say we we want predominantly no we just just hired the best that was hired the best available I didn't even realize until we looked around because they're like there's so many women I'm like oh are there and the men were really excited about it too they're like there's so many women here and the story is so predominantly female and we were talking about different things like even how an actor would block off a woman's way to move like he was like oh well he's just flirting it's like you don't understand from her perspective that is aggressive and she has no way to escape that isn't being romantic but it's it's these little nuances and especially in a horror movie the horror is about what it is to be in a woman's body before anything happens. So you have to see what it's like. And the guys were blown away. They were like, I didn't know. I didn't know that happened. I'm like, yeah, well, you're not an identical twin. Jen and I have a different perspective. If someone's going to say something stupid, they'll cross the street to do it. Mm -hmm. We're also having that conversation about male gaze versus female gaze. And I think because the entire world has been in male gaze for so long that people don't even realize how ridiculous it is. I won't tear apart any movies because I do want to continue working in my industry. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) You can start doing it after when you guys are ready to retire, then give us the list. Yeah, (laughs) Actually, I, I always tear apart things I still has asked me can you be positive I for once we were while. we were actually in a meeting and I told her right before we went in because they had do- done nurse 3D it was Lionsgate and nurse 3D is a ripoff of American Mary and I was like Jen 
don't you say anything mean. Don't you say anything mean. So we're there in the meeting, and it comes up, and she's like, yeah, I like that big piece of blank nurse 3D. At least they could have figured out what we, the movie was about before they ripped it off. Yeah, I love it when someone rips us off and doesn't know what the movie was about. <gasps> so... <laughs> I love and the guy looked at me and said, yeah, you're right. It was a nightmare. And Sylph's kicking me. I'm like, what the And then she goes, why are you kicking me? I'm like, they made they, they made that. And then I looked around and was like, uh, great advertising on Hunger Games, though. Hunger yeah. Games is going well, though. That's a mm. solid choice. Mm. <laughs> 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 oh, well, well. But I think Rabbit is one of, because it's also a remake of David Cronenberg's film, who identifies as a male, a heterosexual man. Yeah. And if you put that film that stars Marilyn Chambers, who's an adult film star back in the 70s, next to our version, it's the exact same film, except it's from a woman's point of view, from a man's point of view. In David's version, Rose, the lead character, doesn't have a last name. Or a job. Doesn't have a job. Doesn't have an identity beyond she has a boyfriend. Our Rose is so being forced into the gender box that she is adamantly against. I mean, she always wears pants. She cares about work. She's not there to hook up with guys. But everyone in her world is like, well, you need to do this or you shouldn't do that. And she's so tightly wound. And she really represents where women are right now, where we're being told that we're this, but we're a lot more. Yeah. We're everything. We're female. We're male. We're gay. We're asexual. We're everything in between. The fact that we have to choose a label at one point in our life and live to it is absolutely insane. I'm really excited for people to see Rabid because even though Laura is shot so beautiful, she's so sexy throughout it, there's never a degrading moment. There's never a woman down moment. There's never a moment where you're like, oh, well, why'd you shoot her like that? Or now she's like this. And when there are moments that feel like oh I don't like this they're intentional it's being done for a point yeah there, there are such uncomfortable moments I like we have CM Punk in the movie I love him he oh my is God. fan he's amazing he's, he's so, so nice he's such he a great guy so the nice. yeah. he was so nice he hated saying what he had to say to one of the actresses so every time we said cut he'd run over he'd be like I'm so sorry I would never say that I would never say that to a woman I'd kick someone's butt if they said that I hate guys like that <laughs> okay back to ones but we had a lot of nice guys play assholes almost every movie I have uh, as soon as I say cut the actor always goes over to the actress and says Oh my god, I'm so sorry. <laughs> For I that to get like all with. the good men out there, the ones that say not all men, you know, all the good men, all the good men who tell us, hey, don't hate all of us. If I was being catcalled and as I'm walking and men are everywhere, everywhere, I would, everywhere, I would like any one of you to say, dude, shut up. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine catcalls starting and every every good man turns on that person? Yeah. That would be unbelievable. We'd be like in heaven if I was like Xavier. I'd do that. That's a PSA for any of the men listening out there. And and <laughs> the, the women who know men. Just pass it along. <laughs> well, I also feel like that was a good segue to comics because what you guys are doing in film is amazing. But the reason why we have you here is because you're writing a comic for us. I'm so excited. <laughs> you guys are like super fans. <gasps> We're uh, the biggest. Uh, I've been a fan since I was nine years old. I can't even believe I'm. 35 now? I have so many comics. I have just stacks and stacks and stacks. So how'd you guys yeah. get in? What was your what was your comic, your character, your... I mean, it's okay if it was not Marvel. We're no, it was Marvel. Okay, cool, and I actually good. have a Marvel story. Uh, when oh. I was a little girl, my grandmother bought us comic books. And she was go, our uncle then. She was yeah, the best. She would go... She'd call them funny books. Uh, her first language was Hungarian. So and she didn't know. She thought Archie and X-Men were the same. Yeah, she didn't know, <laughs> but they were doing totally different awesome things. And uh, she said, you know, pick any comic book and I remember I took all of them and I looked through them and I was looking for female characters yep. then I 
found X-Men. And not only was there a couple chicks, there was a bunch of chicks. And mm-hmm. I read it and I fell in love with Rogue. I was like, wow. I remember the cover. It was the Caliban Morlock wedding where they were oh, making yeah. Kitty Pride marry him. And it was Storm when Cyclops was gone and she had the mohawk and she was leading the team and she was shooting lightning out of her fingertips. I had never seen a woman with a mohawk, let alone looking that punk, let yeah. alone being in charge of a team. I was obsessed. I didn't know who she was. I was like, this, this, I want to be her. I was so obsessed. And it was great. I mean. They were so real. Like, I remember some of those stories. And I know people are like, well, kids shouldn't be reading that. Uh, I read when Matt Murdock would walk around naked in his place. And I just wanted to marry him. They were great. (laughs) I taught myself Braille for him. And then I realized, oh, Matt doesn't need Braille. Stupid. that, That was the hole in your plan. So you guys started out with. The X-Men. And X-Men, then, then Spider-Man. You, I didn't know there was a Spider-Man. So I was playing with spiders, and a neighbor was like, oh, you must love Spider-Man. I was like, who? And you're like, what So wait, you that? were physically playing with spiders. It was like you were destined. Yeah. Yeah. I you didn't are. know. I still collect tarantulas. I love spiders. Before, I wanted to be an arachnologist instead of a filmmaker, and then I talked to the top guy in the world. He was like, sweetie, I have two jobs. I was like, okay, copy that. <laughs> <laughs> Pick something different. I went to Venom after Peter because I loved how Peter could, no matter what happened, he could turn it into a joke, and he saw light in it, and it was beautiful and empowering. After a while of watching him just get beaten down and then Venom crossed paths with them and then Venom started killing people, I'm like, I just want to go with Eddie. I'm leaving this sad Peter Parker life for good. And then the Catholic <laughs> in me found Matt Murdock and whew, And that was it. Oh my God. I had a little love affair with Dawkins. Oh, he's so. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. Dawkins hot. I, yeah. I, was, I feel like that's like one of those things where yeah. people are like, who's the hot comic person? Yeah. Dawkins. Oh my God. I when he kissed Bullseye, that was. That was just unbelievable. That was the moment for me. We forget, like, the the easiest way to get women to read comics, all right? (laughs) One, first of all, have women in the comics. Yes. And then just have attractive people. I would say just attractive people left and right. Frank Castle's pretty hot. Yeah, Frank Castle. Lately, too. He's. mm. Frank Castle, yeah. We never agree agree on men. Oh, you guys have different tastes? Total different Uh, tastes. For men, absolutely. We both like Spider Man for years, though. He's such a toxic bachelor. Like, he sucks. <laughs> I mean, I love him as a Spider-Man. But Are we going to do a... this? Because like, I, I like Cyclops. Like, you, uh, I like Fixer Uppers. Cyclops... I'm like, oh, I could fix this. Cyclops is Just so gross. Put it in my own kitchen. It'll love be yourself fine. more than wanting to be with Cyclops. Love yourself more. <laughs> That's I so mean, like, true. This, this is a so PSA. <laughs> love yourself this more than dating This is literally a Twitter fight <laughs> right now. <laughs> so... Where did Black Widow come from? I feel like her character makes so much more sense for what you guys oh, do real real life, right? Like, Well, that came from Jake Thomas. And I remember he phoned us and he said there might be an opportunity for Black Widow. And he said, you know, they kind of made her a bit softer in the movies. And we're going we're gonna to make her hardcore. Do you girls do, have you, a story for that? for that? And I was like. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> well, he saw. I was tw- I was Instagramming pictures of my Marvel Max collection. He's like, "What if Black Widow had one?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> Me? Black Widow? Our rating? No." And we wrote something, and it actually didn't go. It was too much, and I was like, "I oh. thought, okay, we'll never do this story. We It'll can- never happen." It was. It We're was like, beautiful. Like the whole. Sylph likes to play a game called What's the Most Horrible Thing Happening on the Planet? So she likes to find like red rooms in the dark web and where children are abducted and murdered and filmed. And I was like, why does your mind go there? And Black so Widow like, was trained in a red room too. She's like, you know who <laughs> Natasha should kill? You'll know. 
You know if I was Natasha. I had bad attitude. <laughs> well, the reason this is happening because it's Jake. Because then again, Black Widow had a, a little like opening in her schedule. And Jake's like, what about the story from the Oscars? They're like, sure. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and I talked to Jake. I was like, so we have to, ch- we have we to change it, it yeah. right? And he's like, tone it down for sure. Not at all. Issue two, he was like, can you make it a little more violent? I was like, dude, dude. So your editor is Jake Thomas, and he really paired you guys with an amazing artist, Flaviano. Uh, like, what has it been like for you to work with him? Oh, my God. I love Flaviano. He is so wild. And the way he draws Nat is just so human and expressive. She feels like a real person. It's so good. And so coy. I mean, it takes it to a whole other level. As a director, you kind of feel that you do all the micromanaging. But as a comic creator, it's so collaborative. And when the artist comes back, it just like kicks you in the gut. And it's just amazing. It's like, wow, I wrote that. And then you made it beautiful. Yeah, his stuff is unbelievable. Like Jake is like Professor X. He's really good at putting a team together. And we got Clayton Crane doing the covers. It's just. And the fashion is amazing, too. I don't know how much Flaviano is into women's fashion, but there's like. One panel where she's in disguise. Yeah, she's in such a New York outfit. I'm like, so oh my incredible. god, Nat, you went full out. You clearly <laughs> found a creator that also matches your guys. Oh my style. god, I could work with him forever. He's so, well. I was looking at his Nat. I was like, she's beautiful, but I like that she looks like a person, and she looks like she could do all this combat stuff in her. It's a lot of fun. I can also really relate to Nat in the way that I feel she's always been held back. Yeah, I feel she's so overly capable because that's what her character is. That's what her storyline is about. It's- her being so in the hard. shadows Absolutely. and like and then having to like have done all these bad things yep. and like reconcile with that which I feel like for anyone would be a hard emotional experience absolutely and it's a little bit I think in the same vein as Frank Castle she does what has to be done yeah. but it's not nice stuff it is not nice so what do you think I mean for your you guys are probably you're getting into the mind of Natasha who is Natasha to you what drives her well she's She's lost almost everything right now, right? Like, Cap is someone you'd never think would do something wrong to you. And that's that's another huge thing. And she's been alive for so long. But now she, that she's, yeah. a, she's a clone with the memory. Like, she's she's so shattered. What she Also to be like, how many times have they cloned me? And I just didn't know. Because up until now, she thought I've been alive since 1928. Oops. No, you haven't. The one mm-hmm. thing she has right now is her anger. Her anger and her training, and you have to put that to a use. So the moment she finds out, well, Cap keeps her from doing what she wants to do. There's a great Cap speech in the first one where it's like, this is Black Widow. This is Captain America. This is why they are different. And after that, she just takes off. And it's very interesting to see how she deals with it because she's not going to sit there and have an inner dialogue that says, I feel this because a few years ago this happened. She's just very, very nonchalant. And She's funny in a dark Russian way, a really dark Russian way. Like when you live next to the cemetery, you don't cry. Those kinds of things. I think there's going to be a lot of Eastern European sensibilities. I also feel she's rebuilding herself. Like she has no adventures. As much as everyone is asking, what boy are you going to put her with? It's about her. It's not about her developing I don't think she feels her. very romantic right now. She <laughs> doesn't. And, you know, it's not like is she going to squish over to the Hulk. It's like I have had, like, the purest man in the world betray me. I have nothing. I have no life. I'm a dead woman. Mm-hmm. And who am I? Like, I've been doing stuff for S.H.I.E.L.D. I've been doing stuff for the Avengers. What do I want to do? Mm-hmm. What drives me? And... What she does find is almost a way of healing her past because there are very young 
female victims that she comes in touch with. Yeah, and, it's almost twinned. Yeah, and even though she would never say, the Red Room hurt me, the Red Room broke me, it changed me from who maybe I was meant to be to what I was destined to be. And in her ability to be able to heal that for other people, I won't ruin the end of the little thing, but where we put Madripoor at the end... It's one of those moments that aren't forced feminism. It's when Eowyn in Lord of the Rings says, I am no man and stabs the Shadow King in the head. There's one little thing that we leave Madripoor with oh, that I can't even. It's like it, it gets me teary even thinking about it because it's like, yeah, you guys obviously I don't know. This is your first comic, right? Yeah. You've first full one. First full one. We've done three shorts. Yeah. So what yeah. was it? What was the process like for you writing a Marvel comic, writing a, like, you know, a really big character? But yeah the transition into this format. It's incredible. I think yeah. she's probably the most recognizable female superhero yeah, right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And what an honor. <laughs> the difference between filmmaking and comic making is nobody has talked to me about budget. Ever. <laughs> Not a single thing. Like, it's yeah. cool. I'm, I'm sort of fascinated as twins. How is the writing process? How do you guys write? Oh, we have to split it down the middle. We're very hive-mindy, and we also choose our favorite parts, and then we argue over it. Yeah. With the script, um, if she gets the beginning, I get the end. Yeah. Or the beginning, the end, and the horrible middle thing. There's always a really horrible middle thing, and we fight over those So things. do you guys yeah. go off on your own, or you kind of, you, get, you oh, have no, your... Oh, no, together. So hive-mindy. Yeah, yeah, and we talk it out out loud, and we talk, <laughs> we start with, what is the funnest way for Natasha to kill someone? I remember the very first one, we drew it all out with stick people. We sent it over to Jake. <laughs> Thank God we don't do that to him anymore. But, <laughs> nope, don't need this. It's formatted properly and everything like that. It's fun. I get 10 pages and Jen gets 10 pages. So when you read them, there's 10 pages Jen, 10 pages Sylph. And, and we'll, all, we'll read over each other's and I will write jokes for either Sylph or Jake, the editor. <laughs> But I asked him, did, what did you think of the joke? And he's like, I knew it was for me, and it was hilarious. I laughed out loud. <laughs> what, is it, is it, can, I can give up the joke, can I? Do it, because people need to know. Okay, As so anyone knows, Madripoor, famously Wolverine went there as Patch. And he, unrecognizable! He put an eye patch on, no one knew it was Wolverine. <laughs> it was impossible. And So we, Nat is in Madripoor, and she's shaking people down, but she comes dressed as Patch with a patch on their eye. And everyone's like, there's a woman, did you get a look at her face and they go impossible she's wearing an eye patch <laughs> <laughs> oh it's comic humor yeah, it's great it is comic humor <laughs> it's pretty incredible for miss marvel she has like the thinnest eye mask of all time like it gets thinner and thinner like when we designed it it should have covered more of her face but like for whatever reason now it's thinner and thinner and i'm like and she, i think one time she like revealed herself to a friend and she just like took it off uh, and i'm like you basically just took off like a small <laughs> layer of cloth off your face and suddenly someone was like, oh my God, I didn't know. <laughs> I, I just want to say as the cosplayer residents over here, putting a mask on and taking it off is not an easy process. No. Just, Unless you have like magnets in your face. Look, it, comics. <laughs> so, you know, you guys told this amazing story of how you guys got into filmmaking yeah. and everyone gets into film. Well, sometimes people get into film in a very specific scripted way. Mm -hmm. yeah. But like, do you have advice for young filmmakers out there who want to get into horror, who want, you know, not just women or men, people, everyone 
who like advice for them like what's their next step what's the things they should do the thing is you can break into the industry so easily you just have to work super super hard but if you like telling stories it's really not that hard every studio has like 10 people that watch youtube just to find talent so literally if you and your friends are talented and you can make something 30 seconds just keep putting it on there and it gets enough hits that that's a how a way a way to get up there another way is the way Jennifer and I did it, make your own film. And Create I know, your own content. I know it sounds expensive, but you got free stuff. If your friend owns a bar, use it for free. Someone's got a kid. Kids are expensive. Use it for free. Animals, cars, everything. And make a script around that. The thing that you have that no studio has is you can say whatever you want. You have no one to answer to. You'll never be allowed to do that again. Take that opportunity now. And a lot of people are like, well, I don't feel successful because I made something and it didn't blow up overnight. I've been doing this for 10 years and I may be getting a wide theatrical next year. Like, don't be afraid because other people are farther along. Your dreams don't have an expiration date. As a matter of fact, uh, a lot of people don't even see success until they're in their 40s or 50s. I know that's depressing, but who cares? Time doesn't even exist. <laughs> that's the quote Time from this podcast. Exist. That was, I mean, that's such amazing advice. It's We've, we've had other women on here that talk about, it, you know, don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. Right? yeah. Fail is, failure is a part of success, and we don't teach that enough. You only need one yes. It doesn't matter how many no's you get. And when you fail, don't change the goal. Change the plan. Yeah. That did, just didn't work that way. Don't give up on yourself. I know actors who are like, well, I'm not playing Wolverine, so I should give up. Okay, dude. If every actor in the world gave up because they're not going to play Wolverine, make a film for And if you're yourself. so passionate yeah. about Wolverine, do fan Wolverine films yeah. until yeah. the film. fans are like, oh my God, that guy's Wolverine. Like, you can do that. I'm synonymous with Deadpool, but I've not written him. Look no, at actually, right. we did. We, writ- wrote, we him wrote him once. We wrote him he once. got absorbed by Captain America. We, <laughs> we did a, a, a thing thing. I love words when comics are involved. The uh, word absorbed. He was absorbed. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it, it's funny because that's the same kind of advice we give to comics creators. Is like, if you want to do this, then just do it. Yeah. Like, no, and especially with comics making, it's like, that's even cheaper. Like, all you have to do is be able to find an artist you want to work with if you're a writer and just yeah. tell the story you want to tell and just put it up there. I think there's this misconception that the industry is something that is for them and not us. And I've never been one of them. Like my idol, David Cronenberg, I've never really kind of been accepted. Maybe because I keep making interviews and films about how they're crooked and evil and corrupt. But that could could be part of it as well. Attacking the media makes it difficult to work in it. Well, David Cronenberg is 75 and he's never made it as a mainstream director, but he's one of the greatest minds in the world. And when I asked him what he thought of his films, he didn't think very much of them because he saw the, you know, the challenges like we all see about our work. But all of us see his films as these masterpieces. Yeah. Billions of people aren't filmmakers and have tried and haven't worked out. That's just how it goes. But we have technology that you can just put it on YouTube. Like, you can put your art out there. Don't let anyone say that you can't. So are you guys going to keep writing comics? Oh, my gosh. I would love to. I would work for Marvel for the rest of my life every day. I love, love writing. I will write Natasha as long as they'll let us. And if after we come to a break and they're like who do you want next I mean there's so many stories that I mean Wiccan and Hulkling I want to see those two get married oh my god yes I was literally just talking about this the other day oh my god thank you aren't they the best I I love love them so much they helped me out of a depression actually because their love is so honest pure and they have 
huge uh, shoes to fill. Like, yeah. uh, you're going to be Space King joining the Kree and the Skrull people together. And you created gonna, everything. And you're demiurge. You're, you're demiurge. So that is a very complicated relationship. And I just wanted to see what it would be like to keep them together and have a Hulkling struggle with identity issues because you can be anything. And I wanted to have Billy struggle with, I think, oh, he wants to be with a girl. Oops, I turned myself into a girl. Like, if you had that kind of manifesting abilities, mm -hmm. every insecurity would just happen. That series could go forever. Oh, my God. I feel like this is a whole separate podcast. <laughs> and yeah. I, I really want us to talk more, but... We'll sadly, sidebar it. We'll come back sadly, to Hulkling you, and Wicked. We clearly have to have you come back. Anytime. Um, uh, where can fans find you on the internet? Online, we handle all of our own social media. You can see us on Twitter at twisted underscore twins on Instagram as Soska Sisters on Facebook. We're Jen Soska, Sylvia Soska, and Twisted Twins Productions. We and have a website, twistedtwinsproductions.net, that has all of our social media linked up as well. And if you're hearing us and you're like, oh, they seem positive, it would be nice to be able to reach out and speak to them. I speak to people like I'm a person. I'm always. We also have I've, a Tumblr. If you ask a question, yeah. Jen writes paragraphs back to people like with we, cute little gifts. We don't. <laughs> we're very lucky to have this career but we're fans first so if yeah. anybody ever wants to talk to us about anything please do we're lonely i was only <laughs> half joking we're gonna go to every vancouver comic book store pick up, <laughs> pick up a black widow and just start signing and they're like what are you doing i'm like i'm making this worth more baby you should you guys should have signings hopefully you have some yeah. sign we're signings gonna have one vancouver. in toronto that Great. i know that's awesome. Well, you should come visit it as any time. I would love to. What else has got? What else is going on in your space? We got Black Widow. What else should fans be looking out oh, for? Uh, our remake of yeah. David Cronenberg's Rabbit comes out in early next year. It's a wide theatrical starring Laura Vanderford, Ben Hollingsworth, Hannah K. Talbot, and Kristen Risk, and it is mostly practical effects, and it will blow you away. I'm so excited to see what women have to say about Ugh. the film because there are scenes that men are like, well, I don't get this scene. And women are like, I couldn't even get through that scene. And I'm like, yes, a conversation for us. But they get it too. They do. But there is, there's just never been so many films catered to our viewpoints. And there's subtle things and subtext that are happening there that are things we deal with every day. So I'm super excited for that. We're going to probably, I think, maybe tour Europe with it even. So for those at home, issue one of Black Widow is on sale January 16th. Everyone go pick it up at your local comic shop or uh, on the digital comics app. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies. This is amazing. You ladies are goddesses. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. We love you. Thanks again to Jen and Sylvia for joining us. Um, come back for more hugs. We want all the hugs. Yes, and Judy, you wanted to talk about what was coming up later on this year. 2019 is a big year for Women of Marvel. We've got some amazing anniversary things as June will be our fifth anniversary. Plus, we've got our 10th annual Women of Marvel panel at San Diego Comic-Con coming up this year. And we've got some like epic 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 amazing I can't I'm so I can't talk about any of them because they're all super secret episodes coming this year all around some things that you may know about tease tease wink, wink. I don't even know what she's talking about tease, she's tease, giving wink, me a wink. look right now and I'm like what could it be Judy Ooh, I don't I know I have no idea and I'm sure we'll talk about rising some more too <laughs> always yes well and make sure you guys are following us on our Instagram at the woman of marvel and you can tweet at us at hashtag woman of marvel or email us at at womanof at marvel.com. We'll check you guys next time. This is Marvel, your universe. Bye.